You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming with Pastor Keith Miller. So we are in the book of Acts, and again, if you're visiting with us, just don't want you to be caught off guard. We believe the Word of God is the Word of God. We believe the Bible is the Word of God, that every word that we read in the Bible is, the, is authoritative, and when you hear it read, when you read it in your own Bible, you hear the very voice that spoke the galaxies into existence. I have nothing great to offer you outside of this book. That's why we stick to the book. And, and, and when, when we read the scriptures uh, leading into the sermon, we ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's word. So if you could stand to honor the reading of God's word, it would be great. We're looking at Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42. The words will be on the screen. If you do not have a Bible, there are Bibles underneath the seats. Take one home with you. Uh, we want you to have a Bible beginning with verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as, as, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day. You may be seated. So last week, we jumped into Acts chapter 2. I shared with you that this is not the first time I've jumped into these, to these verses as the pastor of Meadowbrook. Back in 2019, uh, shortly after I first arrived as the pastor here, or the lead pastor here, uh, we looked into Acts chapter 2. In fact, as a result of preaching those two sermons, our vision statement was, was formulated uh, that we exist to develop followers of Jesus who prayerfully engage their communities with the gospel. And, and that's where those three words that I mentioned earlier came from that are out in the foyer. Uh, we're intentional about that. We're serious about that. We want to be serious about that. We have not arrived yet, but th that's th what we read in Acts chapter 2 is where we want to land as a church I read a statement by uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, famous preacher in the mid-20th century. He said this, he said, The difference between the Christian and the non-Christian is that the Christian lives his life in the awareness that he is always in the presence of God. That's the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian. The Christian lives his or her life always aware that he or she is living in the presence of God. Uh, these, these Christians who were gathered in this first church in Acts chapter 2 were aware that every day, 24-7, they were in the presence of the living God. Now that doesn't mean that the person who does not believe in, jo in Jesus is not living in the presence of God. It just means that the person who does not know Jesus is not aware that he or she is living in the presence of God 24-7. J.I. Packer 
said this, and I think the church uh, in Acts chapter 2 was aware of this, and this was a catalyst for them to devote themselves to the Word of God, to devote themselves to one another, to devote themselves to prayer, and to devote themselves to the mission of God to redeem the nations. J.I. Packer said this, that there's a tremendous relief in knowing that God's love for me is based at every point on the prior knowledge of the worst about me. Think about that. If you're a Christian here, it is not because you had something to offer God that he forgave you of your sins. That he was very aware of the worst about you and yet he pursued you anyway. If you're not a Christian and you're here today, I want you to be, uh, to, to, to be encouraged by this reality. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're doing. God is aware of the worst in you, and yet he's still pursuing you. And these Christians were aware of this, and, and so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that is, to the word of God. And they were, were committed to one another. They genuinely loved one another. I said last week that this is the reason why Jesus said to his church that the, world, uh, the, that the way that the world would know that you belong to me is by the love that you have for one another. And so, uh, and actually, I've read a statement, this is not in my notes, but Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. He said, actually, when you read the Sermon on the Mount, this is what loving one another looks like day, you know, day by day. And loving God, which we'll get into next week. So I just want to focus on the last two of the four things that were true of this church that I pray will become true of us. And that is that they devoted themselves to prayer and they devoted themselves to the mission of God. They devoted themselves to prayer. Another pastor by the name of Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, said, true prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. Like in being devoted to the word of God and being devoted to one another, these men and women and children that made up this church were devoted to prayer. They understood that there was no power and in, 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 in no ability in of their own to, to see the nations transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ apart from humbling, humbling themselves before the God of all creation and seeking his, his strength and his ability to work through them to woo the nations to himself. What's interesting about this is that they, they, they didn't need a really great worship band to reach their, their communities. They didn't need a, a fantastic communicator to preach the, the Bible to reach their communities with the gospel. They understood that they needed to pray. They needed to hear from God, that is the word of God, and they needed to commune with God. That they are, they, they, when they came to God, they came empty-handed. They, they didn't bring anything in terms of their ability or their skills or their personality to make God's mission more effective. They needed to pray. There was this prayer in Habakkuk. It's an Old Testament 
passage that the prophet Habakkuk prayed. And the significance of this is that he prayed this prayer when the people of God or the Hebrew people were, were f- far from God. And this is what he prayed. He said, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. You, you know what he was saying there? He was saying, God, I know we deserve your judgment. I know there's nothing good in me. I know if you were fair, we'd all be in hell a long time ago. But I've heard of your fame. I've heard of the great things that you've done. And, I, and, I, and my people have experienced your mercy time and time again. I've experienced your mercy and, and so I've heard of your great deeds, and I stand in all of your great deeds. Repeat them in our day. And in our time, make them known. And in wrath, remember mercy. We need your mercy. You know what mercy is, right? Mercy is, is the refraining of getting what you actually deserve. Try that next time you get pulled over, right? It's the refraining from getting what or receiving what you actually deserve. Grace is receiving what you never did deserve, or which you never paid for. You know, it's free. Habakkuk is pleading with God for mercy. I think these disciples and these, these Christians in the first church, this first church were pleading with God, in wrath, remember mercy. Like there are people in this city, Lord, who, who were responsible for crucifying your son, in wrath, remember mercy. And we learn at the end of, the, at the end of this you know, chapter, what did the Lord do? He added to their number day by day. Our, the city of Cheyenne needs so desperately the mercy of God. And the only way the city of Cheyenne, Wyoming, this nation, this world will ever experience the mercy of God is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. So Habakkuk prayed a prayer, I think similar to the way these Christians prayed. He heard of God's reputation. He heard of of how God spoke the galaxies into being. He was convinced that this God spoke the galaxies into existence. He heard of how God delivered the Hebrews through the Red Sea after he freed them from the clutches of Pharaoh. He heard about the wall of Jericho falling. He heard about Samson and how he struck down 1,000 Philistines with just a jawbone of a donkey because God was with him. He grew up hearing uh, about the exploits of King David and how he brought the Ark of the Covenant back to uh, Jerusalem, back to Israel, from the Philistines. He heard about Uzzah who died when David foolishly tried to lead that ark back into Jerusalem and the ox cart stumbled and Uzzah uh, had the audacity to believe that his hand was cleaner than the dirt. Then he failed to consider that he was a sinner and that there was a certain prescription for the way the sacred 
things of God were to be handled. David understood this, but he was in a rush to get the, the ark away from the Philistines and, and back into Jerusalem. And Uzzah, as the ark looked like it was going to fall off the cart, uh, he put his hand against it to keep it from falling, and he died. He died. Habakkuk was aware of that. And it wasn't because God was being unfair. It was because God was just. And that Uzzah was arrogant. I'm sure that the prophet grieved over the history of Israel's idolatry and sin, which resulted in the discipline of the Lord. You know, we often hear around the, uh, the, the day of prayer in our nation, which I believe is coming up, we often hear 2 Chronicles chapter 7 cited, but it's a good, it's a good prayer, but actually 2 Chronicles 7 was a promise that was to Israel because they were the ones who were promised this land in, in Canaan, in Palestine, and, and they were kicked out of the land. The Habakkuk experienced that. He, he, he witnessed that. He uh, was the receiving end of that. When God told Solomon, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or sand send pestilence among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Habakkuk was aware of that. So he said, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. This church was convinced that the only hope for Jerusalem and for the nations was that they needed to go to God in prayer. That they needed to listen to God through his word and they needed to commune with God through prayer and then engage the world around them with the gospel. You know, I, I think for Meadowbrook, I really think that this the success of Meadowbrook accomplishing the mission that God has entrusted to this church family is not dependent upon skill. I think we should do all things with excellence as, as Christians. When we come together to worship, I think we should do all things with excellence. I think there needs to be order. I think I, I, think I should show up on Sunday prepared to preach that uh, I should do my due diligence in studying the scriptures. We're commanded that in the Bible. The, uh, we have a, uh, a group of elders. It's, uh, they're shepherds in the church. It, there's this prescription in the Bible that the one who has been set aside to preach and teach should be set aside and have the time to be able to do that. I'm one of the elders that does that. Uh, I, I'm the one who's primarily set aside for that. You know, I've been asked numerous times, so what do you do during the week? Uh, I'm pretty busy. <laughs> but, but there's at least 15 to 20 hours out of the week that's devoted to preparing a sermon for Sunday on top of everything else. You know, I, I could show up with my best sermon. <laughs> I, Jonathan could show up with his best music set or worship set. But at the end of the day, 
your transformation and my transformation and, and the transformation of this city can only happen through the power of the God who spoke the galaxies into existence. We're convinced of that. I, I, I kind of joke, but I'm kind of serious at the same time. We're not about smoke and lights on Sunday morning. Um, one, fog machines bother my nose. <laughs> but two, I, there's enough marvel and mystery of, uh, concerning the God that, that this book talks about. I don't need to put sugar on it. I don't need to put honey on it. I don't need to make it more uh, palatable. Uh, my philosophy has always been uh, I'm going to preach the scriptures and, and let the chips fall where they fall. Because one day I will stand before Jesus and give an account for the way that I shepherded Meadowbrook Church and the way that I served my family as a husband and as a dad. So these Christians devoted themselves to prayer for those same reasons. But they also devoted themselves to the mission of God. You know, evangelism and the, the need for people to hear about Jesus didn't start when Jesus rose from the grave. God's mission is as old as the Garden of Eden. When he told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, what he was telling them is, I want you to fill the earth with people who worship me. I want you to disciple them. I want you to bring them up knowing who I am. I also want you to manage creation. I want you to manage this garden. I, I want you to enjoy this garden. I want you to enjoy each other. There's one tree I, I don't want you to eat from, and that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and that tree you're to, to, to not eat from, but you can... Like, I believe God instructed them to manage that tree. Like, you want to know why there are mass shootings in places like New York? It's because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. I'm convinced of that. You want to know why this world is so upside down? It's because of what happened between, with Adam and Eve when they re rebelled against God. My favorite quote that I repeat quite often, you've heard it, many of you have heard it, you know, when Adam and Eve bit into the fruit, our teeth have ached ever since. That's true. You want to know why Ukraine, what's happening in Ukraine, is, the, is why that's happening? It's because we're under a curse. We are sinners from the moment of, 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 of birth. David the, uh, said in the Psalms, in sin my mother conceived me. Like, that's the best way I know how to make sense of this world. Other people have tried to make sense of this world. You know, we've, we've got governments who have tried to make sense of this world thinking that if we just put enough legislation in place, if we just do this, if we just do that, if we just hand out enough money, if we, if, if we just transform the school system, if we, if we do these things, we'll make this world a better place. And what has happened? It's gotten worse. Why has it gotten worse? Because mankind are sinners. We're sinners. Our hearts are... Are, are, are wicked. And, and the only remedy for our problem is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every place that the gospel of Jesus Christ has penetrated, has entered in wherever place in the world, legitimately entered through people proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ has been transformed for the good, not for the worse. You want to know where universities came from? You want to know where hospitals came from? 
You want to know where the, uh, the, the ability to read was not just left with, with the, the elite, but was, was something that the people of the street could enjoy? The church. You want to know what happened after William Carey entered into India? The burning of brides or widows ceased. You know, when the church is, is doing what the church is called to do, sex trafficking um, begins to fizzle out. I, I had somebody say, oh, the Bible is a male chauvinist book. I'm like, you've not read the Bible. <laughs> like the first woman to witness, the, the first person, the first human to witness the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ was not some dude, it was a woman. And, and when I do premarital counseling, for those of you who sat through my premarital counseling, uh, we go to a, a passage like Ephesians chapter 5, where it says, husbands, it doesn't say this to the wives, it says, husbands, love your wives. Well, how am I to love my wife? Well, you're to love your wife like Christ loved the church. Well, what does that look like? Well, he died for her. And so the world needs the gospel. They need the gospel. And the church was made for this mission that has existed from the Garden of Eden. After Adam and Eve bit into the fruit, they hid, the Bible says. They, they hid and God pursued them. That's the story of human history. A God who pursues sinners knowing their worst, he pursues them anyway. He pursued them. He covered them with, he, 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 you know, they put fig leaves over top of their nakedness because they were filled with shame, and God closed them with uh, animal garments. And he gave them a promise. He said, Eve, there's going to be a child that's going to come through your gene pool, through your family tree, Adam and Eve, and that child will grow up and he will crush the head of the serpent, the dragon, the accuser, the devil, and he will balance the scales of justice. Theologians call that the proto-evangelion, the first gospel is, is what theologians call it. And, and all through the pages of Scripture, it's one story of God promising his people over and over again, adding detail upon detail of who this individual would look like. To David, God promised, you will have a descendant who will sit on your throne forever. And, and then, you know, to Mary, you're going to give birth. Even though you're a virgin, Mary, you're going to give birth to this promised one who will be the savior of the world. And he will bring peace to the nations. And so Jesus was born and he lived this life, that, 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 this perfect life that we could never live. He, he never sinned. <laughs> he, was Mary, he was Mary's firstborn son. Joseph was his stepfather. Joseph and Mary had more children, by the way. Read the Gospels, it talks about it. I couldn't imagine what it would have been like to be Jesus' younger brother. Like, how do you pull one over? How do you lie to mom and dad? <laughs> like, Jesus hit me. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> well, how do you know? Because he's perfect. <laughs> I was horrible to my brother, my younger brother. Like, I, I, I would make him throw out his sandwiches. And then I would go, I'd go rat on him. Mom, dad. Day threw away his sandwich. 
I'd throw, I'd throw like uh, toilet paper, I'd wet it, throw it, and throw it on my parents' wall. And then I tell them my brother did it. Like I, I was horrible. I beat him up all the time. Like I was, I was horrible. Uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine what it, what it would have been like to be Jesus' sibling. Um, but Jesus grew up. He lived this perfect life, a life that we could never live. He obeyed every law of, of, of the Old Testament. Why did he do that? Because he was born to represent you and to re- represent me. And when he went to that cross, he went to the cross to die a death that you and I deserved. He went to a cross to experience the wrath of God the Father for sins that we committed. So he went to that cross and he died the death that we deserved and and then he was buried and on the third day he rose from the grave. Unlike any other religious leader, Jesus rose from the grave. I was sharing with somebody the other day, Siddhartha Gautama died. Yeah, I've shared this multiple times with you just because I I spent some time studying Buddhism. But Siddhartha Gautama, the founder of Buddhism, he left his family seeking... Uh, a type of nirvana. I don't think he called it nirvana at that time. So he practiced asceticism for a while. That didn't work. And so that's why you have skinny Buddha and then you have fat Buddha, right? So it didn't work. And, and uh, he died of food poisoning. He died of food poisoning. He had bad rice, bad rice porridge. Muhammad is dead. And every other religious leader who claimed that their way was the way died and is, has been fertilizer for daffodils. But Jesus Christ rose from the grave. He rose on the third day. He appeared to multiple people. And those of his followers were so convinced of his resurrection after he appeared to them that they were willing to die. You don't die for some fable you created. Right? They were willing to die. This is why the Apostle Peter said, wrote what he wrote in his letter that's titled after his name, so in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, uh, these words. Let's, let's read this together, ready? For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We don't follow cleverly devised myths. Like I said, I think it was last week, I said, you know, like I went and saw Doctor Strange, the second Doctor Strange movie. I, I, I loved it. it was, I, I enjoyed it. I am a huge Marvel fan. I, Spider-Man is my jam. Like, I go to my office, you will see. I, 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 I collect comic books. I, 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 I'm a nerd. And I, I, I'm looking forward to uh, Obi-Wan, the, the, the series of shows that's coming out in a couple of weeks. Like, I'm, I'm really excited about that. But it, none of that's changed my life. They're just stories. But the story of Jesus Christ, it's not a cleverly devised tale. It is legit. And it will transform your life if you, put, if you submit your heart to it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. And I promise you, if you're here and you don't know who Jesus is, I promise you, it will transform your life. And for the rest of you, you know this already. You have experienced the transformative power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the church understood this. They understood, like, they, they understood that this story is not some fable. It's not some myth. It's, it was legit. It was real. And they were willing to die for it. Just in, so, like five chapters later in Acts, 
you know, chapter 7, there was a guy by the name of Stephen who would literally lay down his life and die as a result, as a result of, of, of telling people who Jesus was and is. And, and this is the greatest need of Cheyenne. This is why we're, we exist as a, as a church. There are things that we want to do you know, as a church, we want, to do, we want to live out this mission that God has called us to, and we want to do it well. We're not there yet. We want to get there. We want to get there. Like the needs of Cheyenne are great. And the greatest need is, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We think that the best way or the catalyst to get there is through prayer. And then to put action to our feet. I mentioned last week that we're, I'm working on, uh, with a team, creating a discipleship pathway with the understanding that discipleship begins before you're even, you're even a Christian. Meaning, like when we're sharing the gospel with people, we should share, them, share with them about who Jesus is, who, who he is, why he came, and what it means to follow him. And in, the, during, in this pathway, we want... For all those who, go, who, who walk in through Meadowbrook, we want to be intentional in helping you not only uh, become a, a, a healthier follower of Jesus, but we want you to be able to, to know how to share your faith with others, to share the gospel with others. We want you to be able to understand how to study the Bible and read the Bible. And, and through that pathway, the goal is to have you disciple others. Like, we're going to get real intentional about that. We haven't been. I don't think Meadowbrook, for a long time, has been intentional about making disciples. We have people who have been intentional about making disciples, but as a church, we have not. And so we want to be, get serious about that. And we want to get serious, continue to get serious with prayer. We want prayer not to be some weird thing that we do in our worship service. Sometimes it feels that way for some. We want it to be a part of the culture of our church. And for mission, for mission, we want, to, we want to be serious about mission. That means we're not really interested in how many people we can get seated on Sunday morning uh, here at Meadowbrook Church. Uh, we really believe, I believe, that if we're discipling well, Meadowbrook will grow numerically. But our main interest is, man, we want to see Cheyenne reach with the gospel. That means we need to engage our city with the gospel. And that means as a, as a church, the leadership of Meadowbrook, and myself included, we need to help you to be able to do that and encourage you to do that well, individually and corporately. Like sometime during the summer, you know what we're going to do? We're going to replace our worship service with serving our community. One Sunday, just all of us, we're just all going to gather together, and we're organizing it now, we're thinking through what that will look like, and we will pick a part of Cheyenne, and we will serve Cheyenne in place of the worship service. And our plan is to do that at least once a year. We set aside $50,000 for church planting. In the next five years, we want to participate in the planting of a church. We had plans drawn up for this building. What would this building look like if it was a community center that blessed the community, as opposed to just a church building that worshiped on Sunday? We've paid for an architect to work on plans to develop that. We're still waiting for three-dimensional plans. And then we'll, we'll share that with you when the time is right, what that looks like. Um, 
Like, there's a lot of things that we want to do. We want, we want your desire to share the gospel with your family, your friends, and your community to be part of the culture of this church. And that's our heart. That's our desire. That's, and I think that's what we see in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And that's the goal. We're not there yet, but we want to get there. Right? Yeah. So uh, I'm going to pray. I actually finished a little early. Usually I'm like late, so this is good. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then after we're done praying, if you want to talk, if you, if you need to talk, I'll, I'll be up here. Uh, would love would love to talk to you. you. Could talk to any of the worship team or the person who brought you here. If you want, if you're trying to think through what, what what is the next, I mean, what does it really mean to follow Jesus? I would love to talk to you about that. But let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Every single human being in this room and in this building, you are doing something amazing in in, in the lives that represent this church family, and those watching the live stream. I thank you for it, Lord. You are the God who creates something out of nothing. You are the God who's the God of redemption. You take what is broken and ugly and messed up and upside down and you redeem it into something beautiful and amazing that represents your glory and and, uh, you're able to transform our lives, not just just make it new, but to use us in a way that, that can make this world better as we tell others about this Jesus that you sent your son who died in our place, who who, who rose on the third day after he was buried, and who continues to transform lives today. Thank you for that. And use us as a church family for your glory and for the good of this city. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.